Hi, and welcome to the Passionistas Project podcast, where we talk with women who are following their passions to inspire you to do the same. We're Amy and Nancy Harrington, and today we're talking with Bethany Halbreich, an innovation consultant, the president and founder of Incipe Insight, and the founder of Paint the World. This global collaborative art project is dedicated to inspiring creative expression in individuals, organizations, and communities by providing collaborative artistic experiences that enable participants to spontaneously engage with their creative minds. Paint the World does this by securing large blank canvases and art supplies in low-income communities around the world that otherwise have little or no access to art education. It's a simple idea with a lot of potential. So please welcome to the show, Bethany Halbreich. It is my honor to be here and speak with you too. What's the one thing you're most passionate about? That is a very easy question for me because I feel like the crazy canvas lady sometimes. I, everywhere I go, I carry around blank canvases. So it's wild that I don't have one sitting here with me right now. But I am the most passionate about providing the tools for others to create. And my vehicle of doing that is paint the world. So I'm most passionate about what I get to work on every day. So tell us about Paint the World. What is it and how did you come up with the idea? The idea emerged by accident five or six years ago because I was with a bunch of, just a few good friends actually, in the middle of the woods in a cabin. And on our, well, on our way to the cabin, we needed to come up with some fun activities to do during our time together. So we just went to an art store and got a canvas and some supplies and then thought it would be a fun thing to collaborate on the canvas together. And these are really fun friends that I have. They're always encouraging creativity and they're just wonderful. That's what we did. And then I was just really shocked by how beautiful the canvas turned out. So later that summer, I did the same thing in a couple of different places. Usually when I'm by a canvas, I'm very much an observer. I don't encourage other people to paint on the canvas. I leave it there and I see what happens because in my, just in doing this for years, it's very obvious that there's several stages to the canvas. There's the blank canvas, and this is usually when it's the most intimidating to people. And people usually are a little bit confused. Is this, a, is this an installation? Is this meant to be painted on? Is this just, what is going on here? Is an artist going to be using this later and they just left it here? Do we touch it? So anyway, I always find that stage of the canvas really interesting. And then someone always comes along and just finds the boldness in themselves. Usually they're with a group of people. Sometimes it's an individual, but they find the boldness in themselves and they pick up the one of the paintbrushes and they paint. And then after that, slowly the canvas begins to be filled up, but it actually looks pretty bad in the beginning. There could be a sun in the corner. There could be a stick figure in the middle somewhere. And because it looks so bad, and I don't mean to put the judgment on it, but it's good that it looks bad in my mind because it encourages people who wouldn't define themselves as artists to actually paint on it. And if it looked amazing, they wouldn't. That's the most magical part of the whole thing to me because there have been so many people who have picked up a paintbrush and done some sort of contribution on these blank canvases that have never picked up a paintbrush before. Hundreds of people have done this and it is their first time picking up a paintbrush. That's wild to me. And it, it's usually those people who it impacts the most. And 
it's it's always just blown me away and they always turn out so beautifully in the end because after they begin to be filled up over time i usually leave them in a particular location for around 24 hours sometimes just during the day so around eight hours but they always tell a story of that community they if you look at it they visually feels like that community it's amazing so that's where i started to bring in some jungian analysts and there's a whole other part of the project there really understanding the community through the art that the community gathers to create but that's paint the world and over the last five or six years even though it started out as an experiment it quickly became clear that this needed to be a bigger project than just something i did every now and then for fun so so now it's a nonprofit and it's growing that first person who comes and paints I don't know how often you see that moment, but do they tend to paint in the middle of the canvas or do they kind of like pick a corner? It actually varies and it depends on how confident that person is feeling. And you could tell when a person is unsure, they, they usually start in the corner, but the person who does contribute to the canvas first, they tend to be bold they tend to be confident. And then it's only after them that the people who haven't picked up a paintbrush before contribute to it. But so usually actually it is in the middle because they're more confident people uh, or feeling more creatively confident in that moment. And that's interesting because that really does define, it takes the piece in on a path. That first move is, it's so important. So how do you get to know the people? Do you interview them afterwards? What is that process? It's certainly been a bit of a challenge over the past five or six years to position the nonprofit as it is because it's neither an art program or a um, public installation. It's a mix of the two. And if it were more of an art program, there would certainly be an element to it where I would interview people and there would, we might do a workshop around it and stuff like that. But And also there could be an element to that if it were a public installation. But I, I just... I'm so committed to it taking on a life of its own. The only thing that I've gotten close to in that realm is just pretending to be a an onlooker. And so sometimes I walk by and I'm like looking at it and I act confused and I notice someone else is standing there and I say, hey, do you, what's this? Like just pretend to be in their shoes. <laughs> but I've done that a lot. Yeah. And I've gotten to, in the beginning, I think I asked more direct questions. And there were actually a couple people who said you need to, who figured out who I was and who said, or who figured out what role I play in the installation, but who has, who have said, you have to do this everywhere. This should be in more places. And there were people who were really inspired to grow at that stage. Have you set up like little GoPro cameras to capture it? There have been a couple times that I've done that, but believe it or not, I haven't found a GoPro locking system with a key. Someone should make it. I can't find it anywhere. Maybe someone's made it in the last few months and I haven't noticed, but, but yeah, that's also another, that's a challenge because I usually just leave them and, but yeah, that would be ideal to, to do time lapses of all of them. How many cities have you done this in so far? About... 35 thus far. There have been a lot of repeat canvases in the same city. And we hit the most cities when I did something called the Mongol Rally. Have you heard of the Mongol Rally? It's, it's this crazy drive from Prague to Mongolia. And through that drive, we passed 23 countries. And so I did a blank canvas in, in 12 or 13 of those countries. 
And that was really fun. So that probably upped the country count. But through the, actually the tiny home video, I have a tiny home as well. And someone filmed a, a YouTube video of it a little while ago. And it had so many views and the YouTube video was really just meant to be a tour of the tiny house. But the videographer asked me some questions about what I do. And I told him about paint the world. And he said, we have to include this at least at the end, it has to be in there some somewhere. And we usually don't do this, but, and I was like, okay, great. That's awesome. Thank you so much. So I, I talked a little bit about it and the video ended up being 15 minutes long. And I, and there was a two or three minute segment about paint the world at the end. And I thought for sure, no one would watch a video of that length until the end, but I should believe in, I guess I should believe in YouTube viewers a little bit more in their and their attention span because so many people watched until the end and then reached out after that. And that was a tipping point for Paint the World because before that, the audience was really small. It was just me trying to push this nonprofit forward. And now there's, there are people who reach out every day because of that video. And I'm so thankful for it. So now there are people all around the world that are launching blank canvases. We just started an ambassador program. And there was someone from Zanzibar who just emailed me this morning about doing a blank canvas in, in her village there. And it's just the power of the internet. So do people get their own supplies or do you send them supplies? So I've just created this community of ambassadors and I've connected them with a ton of resources. I've made an ambassador portal on the website. So it basically has this really in-depth FAQ question. Everything that I've found really useful throughout the years, just basically examples of how you can set up, which stores, supply lists, stuff like that. We were going to use GoFundMe charity to set up separate team fundraisers for each of the ambassadors, but they unfortunately actually are discontinuing GoFundMe charity. We're going to have to move to another platform, but the Canvas setups are usually pretty cheap. Usually, depending on where you're located, definitely can do a big blank canvas for under $100 for a whole setup. So yeah, it's mostly just building the momentum, making sure that everyone isn't feeling like they're doing this alone because it's a bold activity. And it's not every day that you see someone putting a blank canvas in a community and just leaving it there for other people to do what they want on it. So it's a lot of community building and seeing where it takes us. So what happens with the paintings after they're completed? There are so many things that we can do with these paintings afterwards. In the past, I've held uh, little art auctions alongside restaurants in the area where the paintings were done. Usually the money that we raised just went back into doing more blank canvases. So it's a very cyclical thing. So each ambassador, each location where we'll have blank canvases will probably end up doing something like that post-COVID. Hopefully. It's hard. You, you never know. The timing of the blank canvases has been delayed a little bit just because of the restrictions. But I hope that in the next couple months, um, we'll be able to, to get them popping up everywhere. But the other thing about this project, it's a completely different aspect. So there's the benefit of the activity itself, which is certainly increasing communities' creative confidence, increasing the agency that a particular collective or community feels in moving their own ideas forward. And the canvas is just a tool, but I really do believe there's a big connection there. And then the other aspect of this is really, really understanding a community, working to understand a community through the art that, that the community gathers to create. And there's so much literature on 
looking at mostly street art in communities and using that as a tool to understand that community's trajectory. And there, there are so many communities in the world where the voice that seems to be the most prominent from that community is usually not the most accurate. Someone who might rise to power in a particular community it might just be the one with the most money, but might not represent that what's really going on in the community. So using this art is a way to do that. So one of the larger goals um, and purposes behind Paint the World is really to, to navigate the relationship between art and community decision-making. So to really make it obvious that investing in the arts is urgent and not just an extra activity as we often see it as, but I truly believe it's, it's critical in progressing forward in a collective, in a positive way. It makes me so sad that the arts community feels so constrained. And usually it's because the funding that's offered to the arts community puts you in buckets. It's either a program or an installation. It always focuses on, on artists, people who define themselves as artists. It's just wild to navigate government funding and all. Anyway, so my wish is for the art community to feel much less constrained than it does now. There's so much potential there. You're listening to the Passionistas Project podcast and our interview with Bethany Halbreich. To learn more about her global collaborative art project, visit paintheworld.com. Save the dates for the 2021 Passionistas Project Women's Equality Summit being held virtually this year on August 20th through August 22nd. For details, go to thepassionistasproject.com backslash 2021 summit. Now here's more of our interview with Bethany. So how did COVID affect your project? The original program of Paint the World, which is the putting blank canvases up and, and really scaling the, the amount of blank canvases in the world, that was tremendously impacted, obviously, because there was no encouraging of public activity safely. So public collaborative activity safely. About, I think that in April, I started to get really, which isn't long. <laughs> it only took me a month to get restless. <laughs> Yeah, and probably the beginning of April. So it really took me only two weeks. <laughs> I was like, oh, I've got to do something. So I rented a van and a white van, which was not a good idea because I learned that white vans are, are you know, usually not housing the most innocent of... I, there were always police after me. It was wild. People reporting the white van. And it's another story. But I rented a white van and I dropped, I dropped blank canvases and supplies off at hospitals across the country. And so I drove, to, I drove to the West Coast and back. I started in New York and I went to about 30. Actually, in the end, I think it was closer to 40 because, because the project grew a bit. But yeah, dropped off supplies at 40 hospitals and was really uh, pleasantly surprised by the fact that the hospital staff that ended up, it was just, the supplies were just for the staff members because I was just hearing that they were so overworked. And, and obviously this is a, this is an activity that could bring stress relief and, and also one that could help us understand what they're going through. But, but the most responsive hospitals were actually the ones that were the busy. That was amazing to see. And the ones that, that appreciated the project the most, like really saw and felt the, the positive effects of it. That was really, it was amazing. But that wouldn't have happened if it weren't for COVID, obviously. And that 
that made me think of other avenues for Paint the World. And then we did a virtual Paint the World project as well. And that was fun because there were people uh, from all all around the world who participated in that. And that idea might have not emerged if it weren't for COVID. So despite the challenge in the beginning towards the initial activity of the organization, the mission has actually been expanded. And, and, and now it's much more global than it was a year and a half ago. How did the virtual version work? Basically, I got together a number of the people who reached out over since that YouTube video was actually released. And we got together, had several Zoom calls to talk about possibilities. And they basically each ended up hosting their own version of Paint the World within their communities virtually. But they all did different things with it, which was the intention. So the the woman that became involved in South Africa, she basically made a video of her completing an activity. And basically she did a handprint. She used that as a metaphor too, because our hands are the carriers of germs and we're like afraid of other people. Anyway, so she did a handprint and then you had to write your COVID story. Each piece really looked like a multimedia masterpiece. It was beautiful. But then at the end of that, she combined all of them into the South African flag using the, basically just using color blocking. And so she made the collaborative piece in the end, but each person had an individual experience. I'd love to see an exhibit of all the pieces from the project in general, but specifically from the hospitals during COVID. Those must be really powerful. The pieces that came out of the the hospital project were really, were light filled. They were optimistic and the colors that were, everyone gets the same colors, which I think is important because then it's easier to see the contrast between what everyone does with them. But, but the colors used were usually lighter tones, brighter, happier. The images were positive. And, and those were from the, usually from the busier hospitals. Have you thought of doing a book? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Certainly a book of all of the pieces, more of a coffee table book that you could just browse through and see where, the, where each piece came from. But I'm also working with a few of the Jungian analysts that I've been speaking to about creating a book that's really focused on the potential impact of the arts in policy and in community decision making, because there's a huge disconnect there. And there actually isn't a lot of literature out there around it. So it's been a challenge for me to find evidence, even though I know it's, it's clear that this works and there is so much, there's so much benefit on, on multiple levels, but it's difficult. It's difficult to find literature on it because not a lot of people have tackled that, that relationship between, between arts and really community decision-making and policy and everything. There's, anyway, we're working on that. That'll be cool. That'll be a book. So now how can people get involved with Paint the World? You can go to paintheworld.com and click um, the join tab and there's a few options there. Or you can, you can follow the Instagram, go paint the world. Or you can reach out to me directly at bethany at paintheworld.com and I would be so excited to speak with you about being involved. So you've done other things that we want to talk to you about too. So you have a company called Incipe Insight. So what is that? What do you do? That's my day job and paint the world is my life job. But basically it's a, it's a strategy 
and design innovation consulting company. It's a boutique consulting company, so very small. It's, it's me and a team of right now for other fabulous women. And basically we work with, with really interesting, we work with companies like PepsiCo and IBM, but also a lot of interesting startups on strategizing the most impactful path forward. The reason why I started doing this was because there, there are great consulting companies like McKinsey and Deloitte and, and all of those, but they are so expensive and smaller organizations that don't have millions of dollars to spend on consultants don't have access to, to that sort of strategy work. And to me, that's ridiculous because they're the ones that really need it to grow and to move forward and to make the impact that they need to make. So that's what we focus on. In CPA Insights, basically a cheaper version of McKinsey or of those larger consult, but a, a much better version. But, but yeah, that, the work that I do with CPA actually started from PepsiCo um, because I, I began the Internal Innovation Expo alongside a really incredible man within PepsiCo, but we basically work together within R&D. So PepsiCo has a lot of different, different departments, but, but the food scientists within R&D weren't necessarily leading the innovation. So we wanted, it usually came from marketing. So we wanted to shift the, shift the, the innovation power really to, uh, to R&D. And so we started this internal um, innovation expo to do that. And through that, I really learn so much about new product innovation and, and what it takes to move products forward and to actually make an impact with them and use the materials, the technology necessary, all of that. So that was a great, and that was what began in CPA Insight. So yeah, that's what I, that's what I do to, to earn a living and, and support Paint the World, basically. What's one of your favorite success stories from NCPE? It's one kind of in the making right now. So I've been working on, for the last couple of years with the University of Hawaii on building their culinary innovation program. And that has been, that's been really fun because it's an academic institution that's basically bringing methods that these big companies use to, they're bringing those methods to their students and actually working with a lot of restaurants in the area on, on innovating in that way. They're open to having fun and they're open to experimenting. They have a chocolate bar. It's so cool. This has all been virtual. So I, I only dream of experiencing all of this fun stuff that we've been working up. But, but that will be, a, I, I know that will be a success. And that's the thing that I'm most excited about that NCPA Insights worked on. Are you an artist yourself? Oh, thanks for asking. I, I paint and I, I do love to make art. I'm one of those people who believes everyone's an artist, obviously. But but yeah, it's it's something that when I do it, it's like my meditation, my version of meditating. I do have a website where you can see the art. It's called awakenedart.co. So a lot of animals and very colorful animals. It's what I enjoy painting the most. What do you think is your best habit? Exercising on a daily basis is my best habit because it brings me so much energy. I would never say that I'm an athletic person. I've never felt like I was an athletic person, but I started doing at-home workout videos in Sanity, which is a kind of an OG at-home workout video and with Shanti as the host. And I just changed my life because I, I feel, I feel so much more energy. I, I, don't diet, but I just move my body every day and I exercise. And that keeps me in tune with my body 
And there's such an incredible relation between the health of our body and the health of our minds and what we're able to produce, whether that's with work or creatively. So what's the most rewarding part of Paint the World for you? The most rewarding part of Paint the World is just seeing people paint on a canvas that have never painted before. I think that is the most mind-blowing thing. It just feels like I can't explain it. It gives me life. It's just such a beautiful thing to see that someone is creating and doing something that they wouldn't have been doing if you didn't just do this this one bold move and go out because it takes me out of my comfort zone sometimes to be carrying around a canvas and supplies and I'm like now I'm used to it actually because I'm always the crazy canvas lady lugging all of the stuff around but that moment is what makes it all worth it. Thanks for listening to our interview with Bethany Halbreich. To learn more about her global collaborative art project visit paintheworld.com. Please visit thepassionistasproject.com to learn more about our podcast and subscription box filled with products made by women-owned businesses and female artisans to inspire you to follow your passions. Get a free mystery box with a one-year subscription with the code SUMMERMYSTERY. And be sure to subscribe to the Passionistas Project podcast so you don't miss any of our upcoming inspiring guests. Until next time, stay well and stay passionate.